T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Home and home. I am still kind of laughing about Joe Burrow's answer when he was asked if he wanted to play for the Cincinnati Bengals I mean that would be like try that one okay it when you're engaged and someone asks you if you want to marry your fiance well listen I mean we already set the date we already set to save the date out I mean I'm going to show up I'm not going to not play um, I'm a ball player whoever picks me I'm going to go show up Oh, man, that would not go over well. That would not go over well if you said, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fiancé. I, I mean, I'm going to show up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. We said to save the dates out already. People did stuff on our registry. I'm going to show up. Hey, Probably not the best boss, look. What's are that? You going, if you're in Cincinnati as a fan, are you going, yeah, draft them. Screw them, draft them. I want them. Or are you going, dude, I don't want that guy. He doesn't want to be No, here. I think most I think most Bengals fans are so excited about him based on my social media media at Ross Tucker NFL. He's at Jason Mert. I think that they're they're so excited about him that that, that on social media they're saying, see, you guys made that up. That was a media narrative. Yeah, it sure was. You were asked whether or not you wanted to play for the Bengals, and you responded, Well, there's a process. They have a process, I have a process. Come on, bro. I was born at night, but not last night. Yeah. All right, so here's what we got. In a few minutes, we got my guy Sal Capaccio, WGR Radio in Buffalo. We're doing our all 32. We'll talk Buffalo Bills. Can they take the next step in a few minutes? Then my other guy, Solomon Wilcots from Cincinnati and Pro Football Focus will join us. But first, as we do, a little after 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time every day here on Home and Home, the Radio.com Sports Original. We have an Ask Reddit question that you and I both answer. Today, it is what is a smell that is gross to others, but something you don't mind or actually enjoy? Jason. I have a couple of these. Um, number one. I love the smell of a hockey locker room. Now, it is foul, but I don't know. It's just there's a comfort in it. It's like sweaty equipment. You probably have, you probably like that too, Ross. It brings you back to your playing days. Like a locker room has a smell. So, anytime I go back to like a high school or college locker room, especially yep. high school or college, and you walk in and you smell that. There is a, like it's a terrible smell, yeah. But it also brings back good memories. Yeah, you're like Pavlov's dog. Yes. Yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> with you on that one. There's right. a little bit of a bleach in that one too, right? There because they bleach the floors and stuff like that. It's like bleach and equipment and sweaty equipment. That smell mixture. Um, so that's one for me. Um, like I love the smell of gas, but doesn't everybody love the smell of gasoline? Um, I don't mind it. I don't know okay. that I love it, but I don't, I don't, I don't think people dislike it. Uh, I mean, the first one for me is pretty obvious. And I think this is everybody, my own farts. I like the smell of my own farts. Whereas like everybody else, yours. <laughs> well, well, everybody else doesn't like it. My wife and daughters, oh, daddy, that's gross. But 
Doesn't bother me. I kind of like the smell of my own farts. I think everybody does, right? I don't know that you like it. I think it's like you're you're enamored by it, but you don't like you go, oh my god, it's horrible. But you're curious to see what kind of potency you have on a given day. Do you really like for your own farts? Do you really say, oh man, that's awful? I've never done that. I like oh, it's I actually like the worse it smells, the more I'm like, I did proud. that. <laughs> I, yeah, I did that. I did that. Yeah, yeah I, I think everybody likes the smell of their own farts. Is there anybody out there that doesn't like the smell of their own farts? So I feel like I mean, that I've, one almost doesn't even count. I've I've gone and go like, oh my god, I have such bad gas today that I almost made myself barf. So the other two top responses on Reddit, the top two responses were gasoline and my own farts. Those were really? literally the top two responses. Some other answers were skunks and cigarette smoke. Oh. Nah. Oh. nah. I don't nah. like on either both. one of them. I will like say, I'll give you one that's going to surprise you. My answer, because I didn't think farts would be allowed. My answer is manure. You like, okay, like, there's a lot of people that do. Like if I'm driving in Lancaster or where my wife's from, if I'm driving in the country, and there's that smell of manure. Initially, I'm like, ugh. But then it's like, I don't know, it like grows on me. And I think, you know what? I kind of like it. And I, and I think it's because I like being out in the country. I, I like farmland. I like space and those areas of the country. Like, I, I enjoy that. So I think it's almost like the locker room smell in that sense more so than the actual smell, if that makes any sense. Again, it's your association. The smell doesn't please you, because manure smells like what? Shit. You like smelling shit, is what we're finding out. You're a huge admirer of the smell of shit. We should get you a job at a sanitation plant. So Maybe the grass is greener you, there, Ross. <laughs> I wonder if uh, Jordan Cohn, one of the millennials, he went to college in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, now, he was kind of in the city, but I wonder if he uh, ever uh, had to smell manure in college. He did, by the way, very important note today, average 20 a game in intramural basketball. He went out of his way to let me know that earlier on our private Slack channel. How much of a loser are you if you remember how many points you averaged in intramural basketball? Yeah, that's that's weak. Maybe he can be the e-bug of uh, intramurals. I mean, that is sad. I dropped 20 a game in intramurals. Dude, dude. I mean, <laughs> even if it's true, you can't say that. You can't no. be, I dropped 20 a game in intramurals, guy. If you play oh D3, okay. Oh, my gosh. Now, the manure thing oh real quick. Oh, my gosh. I, I live in Chester County, which is outside of Philadelphia, and there's a town named Kennett. And it's the mushroom capital of the world. And we know what mushrooms grow in your favorite thing, Ross. Shit. So when you drive through Kennett, Pennsylvania, and my parents lived on the other side of that from where I live, it was horrible. Like in August, when it's humid, it was like you were driving a porta potty with wheels down the highway for 20 minutes. It was so bad. The kids would be gagging in the back seat, and there was nothing pleasurable about it. I know some people do agree with you. They like the smell of manure because it's an association thing. I think it smells awful. I'm out on manure. I'm out on a porta potty. I'm out on farts. I'm not enjoying any of that. The question is whether or not you and I are out or in on the Buffalo Bills as we continue our all 32 series here. On Home and Home, every day we go over another team and have a guest. Already did the NFC East. We are on team two in the AFC East. And that team is the Buffalo Bills. Sal Capaccio does a great job for WGR Radio in Buffalo 560. Talking Buffalo Bills. Sal, it's Jason. It's Ross. Great to have you on the show again. And I guess I'll start with this, Sal. What is the level of excitement about the Buffalo Bills for next season 
based on how this previous year went? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. My college roommate at Syracuse is from Lancaster, PA, by the way. So we always used to ask him if he was Amish. I think it's a big Amish uh, uh, territory. Very down there, right? big Amish yeah. population. Yes, a lot absolutely. of horse and buggies, Sal. That's right. That's right. Um, listen, it's more, you know, last year was a, such a great year, Ross. And, you know, you, you've been in this city. You know the way B Bills fans are so passionate about this team. And we went through this long playoff drought. It was broken a couple years ago, kind of by happenstance. They didn't mean for that to happen in 2017, but it did. But in 2019, they really went for it. They got in. And now the expectations have risen. I, I think the excitement is there, obviously, but it's more about the expectations. What I think people are really excited about, though, right now, guys, is – the Bills not only are on a nice trajectory, they have a nice young team. They made the playoffs two out of the last three years. They have a lot of cap space, close to $90 million, and they have um, nine draft picks in seven rounds, another nine next year. Brandon Bean, what he's done to accumulate the draft picks and to clear the cap space and give his team a chance to win and gather more talent, I think that's what people are most excited about here. you got to be excited about the coach, too, because Sean McDermott's done a real nice job. He's a guy that you know, has taken this opportunity with the Bills and done a really nice job. And when you know you have a good coach and the Pagula's got it right finally, yep. maybe at least with the Bills, they didn't get it right with the Sabres yet. But when you get it right and you get a coach like Sean McDermott who put it in his time and with the Eagles and obviously with Carolina, that's got to feel really good in Buffalo. No doubt about it. And it's funny you brought that up about got it right with the Bills not with the Sabres yet. It just goes to show you that it's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to get the right person. And so far, and I like Ralph Kruger on the Sabres side. I think that he might be the right guy for the job, but you have to have that continuity. You got to let people work together. And you know, when Sean McDermott came in in 2017, Brandon B, I'm sorry, Doug Wheelie was still here. Then his staff was let go right after the draft. They did a search. They brought someone in that was young and motivated and came in who knew Sean McDermott that allowed them to work together. And as Ross knows, that hasn't always been the case in Buffalo, you know, since John Butler and Marv Levy in those days, so through the Tom Donahoe era and the Dick Chiron era and the Marv Levy and all the coaches that they had here and the GMs and Whaley and Rex Ryan and Russ Brandon and all those people, there wasn't always the same people on the, on the same page. They didn't have the continuity. And I think that's the biggest thing. What Sean McDermott has done is he's brought a consistency to the Buffalo Bills. You know, um, I'm good friends with John Harris, the sideline guy for the uh, Texans. I'm the sideline guy for the Bills. And, you know, we played each other in the playoffs. And he said to me, he said, Sal, one thing I marvel at, and I was, I was glad to hear this from an outside guy because I see it too. He said, when I watch the Bills, they never change. They're the same team all the time. And I think that's what you need. It's just like an Andy Reid team. Sean McDermott comes from the Andy Reid tree. Andy Reid coaches his team. It's always the same. It's consistency on a weekly basis, a daily basis, the habits, the routines. And I think that's why Sean McDermott is able to succeed right now. There's no detail uncovered, and he's on top of everything in his program. All right, so then the question, obviously, Sal, is about Josh Allen. And I guess it's a two-parter because I want to know your answer as well as the answer of the fans. Scale of 1 to 10 – where are you in terms of Josh Allen being the guy that gets the Bills perennial success, playoff appearances every year for the next 10 years? Are you convinced he's that guy, or are you more like a five on a scale of one to ten? I'm assuming you're not a one or a two. No, I'm not. Um, I'm not convinced, but I'll tell you this, Ross. I'm about a six. I think what I saw last year and the growth and the leap he made from year one to year two was significant. Um, you know, look – the, the knock on Josh Allen coming out, we all know, was the accuracy and the completion percentage. And he hasn't been good in that regard. But here's the thing. He's never going to be. And the Bills didn't draft him to be that high percentage, completion percentage, accuracy guy. You know what they drafted him to be? A guy that can do things that other human beings can't. And he's going to make up for some of those lack of completions, lack of you know uh, percentage and accuracy throws with some throws that other people just simply cannot make and cannot do. Plus his athleticism, able to run the ball, and how tough he is and things like that. So that's why Josh Allen has a chance to succeed. But the other thing about it, and I try to explain this to people, we live in such a here in you know, right now society for everything, and especially since we saw some quarterbacks over the last several years come in and have some instant success, you know, Josh Allen came from Wyoming. And not only that, he came from Fireball, California. He was not highly recruited. He did not go to USC like Sam Darnold. You know, he didn't go to Louisville, you know, like Lamar Jackson. He didn't go to UCLA like Josh Rosen. He came into this league with so, such an infant compared to those guys who were kind of toddlers, you know, coming into the league. He had so much room to grow, and he's still growing. And from where he went from year one to year two, it's not about where Josh Allen is. I think it's about where he's going and what he can do. And the Bills have handled him properly. And I think this, I really believe this. If Sam Darnold had been drafted by the Bills, I think Sam would have a lot of success. I'm a Sam Darnold fan. 
I just don't think that that organization is great for Sam Darnold. But the Bills are really good for Josh Allen. If Josh Allen had gone to the Jets, I think he'd be a disaster. So I think right now it's a good fit for the Bills as an organization. They're very, very good on player development. Look at these guys. Tremaine Edmonds, Tredavious White and what he's doing, Matt Milano, Deion Dawkins at left tackle. The Bills have been very good at player development, and I think that's why Josh Allen fits here, and his player development is on the rise. I'd say he's a six right now in my mind. We'll see what happens this year. It's a big year. they got to determine the fifth-year option after this season. Sal, it's really interesting because when we talked about the Miami Dolphins yesterday and we talk about this division, you can't talk about not you can't talk about this division without talking about the Patriots because they've dominated it for what seems like all of our lifetimes. Um, but that may be coming to an end. There's a yep. big opportunity here. The Bills get into the playoffs out of that division. And there's got to be a feeling in Buffalo of a lot of optimism that we're not going to be ruled by the single ruler anymore of Belichick and Brady. And we've got a real opportunity here, not only based on what you did last season, but you got a guy like and the quarterback, he's a gamer, and you got a good head coach. There's got to be optimism about not only next season, but the next bunch of seasons to build something here really special and be a team that can maybe dominate this division for a good period of time to come. Yeah, people are feeling good about that, but you know, it's it's kind of a double-edged sword. A lot of people are upset that, you know, if Brady moves on, the Bills didn't take over the Patriots while Brady was there. He's dominated so long. They want to beat the Patriots with Brady. And last year, guys, the Bills outplayed the Patriots clearly in Buffalo. They won because Josh Allen did not have a good day. That's when he was early in the season throwing a lot of turnovers. He was great after that. Um, and then they had the block punt for the uh, touchdown, and that was the difference. The Bills' defense was amazing in that game. Then they go down in New England on a Saturday, national TV. They had them going into the fourth quarter. They were leading. The Bills wound up losing that football game, and I think people want to see the Bills do it with Brady there, but look. I've been around here for a long time. I watched Ross play. I watched a lot of these Bills teams back going to the 90s. I was taking a Greyhound bus from Syracuse University back home during the Super Bowl years. I've lived through all of it. I'll tell you, I don't care if it's Tom Brady or Steve Grogan or Drew Bledsoe or whoever's playing for the New England Patriots. It's time for the Buffalo Bills to finally win, and you should be happy if that happens, and Bills fans will. And I do think that's the case. I think we all see that this is there at the end of their run, and I, and, I, and I describe it this way, as you guys can see. I think the Patriots are obviously kind of doing this right now. The Bills are doing this, and the question is, when does that intersect the question is when do the bills actually take them over and i think this year is a really good opportunity for that i want to go back to real quick to ross's question i didn't answer what uh he asked me about what the fans think about josh allen lots of optimism you know josh speaks to the fans in a in a, a really good buffalo way ross and you know what i mean by that which is you know he's a buffalo kind of guy he's he's not above anybody He's a common man. He likes to be about town. He loves living here. He's all about the blue-collar attitude, and we love that here. And I think fans are very much behind Josh Allen, but he certainly has his detractors. And a lot of those people are just simply people who didn't believe in him coming out of the draft anyway. Yeah, so – and that kind of leads me back to the playoff game and the highs and lows for him in the playoff game. Are more people – you know, for how long, Sal, were people kind of bemoaning that they didn't win that game versus – getting encouraged and excited for the franchise moving forward? Well, I think uh, there's still a lot of lingering effects. Um, people are still bringing up the Cody Ford block that was called a blindside block when he kind of reached back and was going, you know, that new rule, you can't go the other way, and he kind of tapped the guy and it cost the Bills in overtime. Bills would have won the game if that call is not made in that situation. Some people are lamenting the second half kickoff when they had some people in who nobody knew come out on the field and say, hey, we got to change this. It should have been a touchdown for the Bills. So aside from that, those are things that people are still upset about. But I think the Josh Allen point of it is, hey, he was so good in the first half. He looked like a franchise quarterback. And then, boy, it was disastrous in the second half. But, you know, you go back and look at Deshaun Watson's first playoff game. He wasn't great in that game. And I think it's a different situation, you know, moving on and getting into the next game and feeling that and understanding what it takes to win in that situation. People are very much lamenting it. And I will say from my point of view, I was disappointed in the Bills. The Bills were, to me, the better, more consistent football team throughout the year. Sure, they have Deshaun Watson. They had J.J. Watt coming back. They have DeAndre Hopkins. They have a talented team in Houston. But I thought the Bills were the better team and should have won and should have been playing the next weekend. But the good news is they're a young team. They should be uh, They should be back, and they do a tougher schedule next year, uh, on paper at least. You've got to go out west and play the NFC West teams, the AFC West teams. So it's going to be more of a challenge for the Bills. But going forward, people are encouraged. But I do think that that Josh Allen game right there, Ross, is a microcosm of what so many people believe about Josh Allen, which is the highs are so high, but, man, the slows are so low right now with him. Yeah, Sal, last one from me. Um, in, in Buffalo, it, it looks like think you guys are headed in a great direction, but and sometimes you got to get there and lose before you can get there and yeah. win to, to learn that. But let me ask you this. This offseason, 
What do the Bills need to come come away with to take the next step, whether that's in this draft or in free agency? They really need to add to the wide receiver core. They did a nice job last year bringing in John Brown and Cole Beasley, uh, two guys they didn't have to pay a ton of money that really went out and had really nice years for them. Uh, but they now they have to add even more to that. They need a true number one wide receiver. John Brown is quote unquote, their number one wide receiver. Um, but, you know, he would be even better in a different role where he doesn't have to be relied upon to be the go-to guy all the time. And what they really need is size at the wide receiver position. But you can't pigeonhole yourself into just drafting a tall wide receiver. You know, T. Higgins is out there. Justin Jefferson. Those guys are big guys. But you know what? If you can get a Brandon Ayuk who can make plays from Arizona State with the ball in his hands, you know, someone like that, you shouldn't pass on just because he's not as big as the other guys. They need a playmaking wide receiver. The other thing they need to do is address the defensive end spot. Um, they have a they have Jerry Hughes, who's still a really good player. Shaq Lawson, they did not pick up his fifth year option. He's going to be a free agent. He's not a pass rusher necessarily. He had a nice year. He's on a career tra trajectory going up. But they got to have somebody who other teams account for on a down to down basis to get to the quarterback. I would not be surprised that if Yannick Ngakwe got to free agency, that the Buffalo Bills make a play for him. He's going to make a lot of money, but that's the kind of guy they need. So edge rusher and wide receiver, the number one and two or two and one priorities this offseason. All right, Sal, I got two fun questions for you. They have nothing to do with the Buffalo Bills, but they do have to do with Buffalo. Okay, maybe. So the first one is, we know that Buffalo is famous for wings, but what is the next food that Buffalo's famous for that you love? Because I know some of the other ones that are popular up there, like beef on weck or whatever. So other than wings, what is the food in Buffalo that you love and you're most proud of? Well, listen, I'm a pizza guy, so I love pizza. And I can tell you, you know, we have great pizza places here, whether that's Bocce Club or Lenovo. You know, I mean, they are very famous. You can go there, get the wings, get the pizza. Chicken finger subs are amazing because we do have, you know, the buffalo fingers. But you said it right there. I mean, beef on weck is a buffalo tradition. And people say, what the hell is beef on weck? Well, it's the Kimmelwick. It's the Kimmelwick. It's the salted rolls. And then you got to have a little horseradish with it, right? So beef on weck, what you do is when you come to Buffalo, they actually have specials at most restaurants that say, Get, you know, the Buffalo special. And it's a beef on wax sandwich and five chicken wings. And you should do that every time you come to Buffalo. So I would say the other thing is we all love our pizza, but because we grew up with chicken wings and blue cheese, not ranch, blue cheese, we actually dip our pizza in blue cheese and it tastes great here in Buffalo. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I remember when I was in Buffalo at the <laughs> Big Tree Inn, we would have chicken fries all the time. I love oh, yeah. those chicken fries. Basically like mini chicken fingers in the shapes of fries. Oh, I used to crush so many of those. The other question is, Sal, can you think of something, a smell that most people hate, but you don't mind or maybe even you secretly like? And you can't say your own farts. That's already no. been taken. I already know one. Gas. I go to a gas station. I actually enjoy the smell of gas at a gas station. Uh, lots of people say, oh, my God, it's it's horrible. I don't mind it at all. Ever since I was a little kid, I kind of like the smell of gas. I have no idea why. I've never worked at a gas station, so I actually like the smell of gas. Sal, you're not alone. Jason said the same. You're the best. Really appreciate it. Make sure you check him out on WGRadio.com <laughs> affiliate. Must be a bald with a beard thing. Sal Thanks, and Jace. Really appreciate Sal. Okay, guys. Thanks, Sal. Take care. Thank you. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There he is, Sal Capaccio from WGR Radio in Buffalo. We talked earlier 
about Joe Burrow's recent comments this morning, Jason, related to the playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. Should he have some trepidation about playing for the Bengals? We'll talk to an analyst who played for the Bengals and suggested that maybe Joe Burrow should consider his options when we come back here to Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. So Joe Burrow said this morning at the Combine that he's happy to play for the Bengals, kind of. He said he'll play for whoever drafts him. He's not going to not play is exactly how he phrased it. But should he have concerns about playing for the Cincinnati Bengals? Solomon Wilcott's did exactly that for a number of years. He also played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now he does all kinds of things, including one of the top guys over at Pro Football Focus. Anytime we can get Solly on the show, we're going to do it. Solly, it's Ross Tucker, and Jason Mertides is filling in for Dave Briggs this morning. Really appreciate the time. Good to see you and talk with you as always. Let's start there, Sally. There's been a lot of talk about Joe Burrow perhaps not wanting to play for the Bengals after he had chatted with Carson Palmer. And I know you made some news and some headlines with your comments about it. For people that didn't hear what you had said earlier about it, what was your reaction to Carson Palmer's comments and even the speculation that Joe Burrow might not want to play for the Bengals? Well, first of all, Ross, and thank you for having me on today. I want to be very clear. I believe that uh, Joe Burrow will be very successful while playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's an excellent player. Uh, Andy Dalton has been successful. He's taken the team to the playoffs uh, five times, five consecutive years. And over the last decade, the Bengals went to the postseason five of, of, of ten seasons. And so... I, I just want to be clear because I, I care about Carson Palmer. He's a good friend. I covered him during his time here in Cincinnati. And when Carson Palmer was saying certain things, you know, I was asked the question, should um, Joe Burrow be concerned if taken first overall by the Cincinnati Bengals? And I think I answered by saying absolutely. But more importantly, I think any player who's taken with the first overall pick he knows he's going to be going to a team that was not successful the year before. And I think any quarterback or any player in that position should be concerned. Are they going to go to a team that is on the upswing, on the uptick? And are they going to be able to provide the support, build the team around them that's going to allow him to be successful and win? I think my answer to that question specifically to the Bengals is, yes, they have an A.J. Green. They have a Joe Mixon. Um, they have a... Uh, some good players that I think that can allow them to be successful with Joe Burrow. Um, so I'm not greatly concerned, but I think I would be concerned if I was a player being taken with the first overall pick. I think you should be concerned enough to want to have some control over building the team around you that would allow you to have a good career. Solomon, when you look at it, you know, if it was the Cleveland Browns with the first round pick and we know their history and long, long list of quarterbacks and dysfunction in that organization. I get that. Um, but Cincinnati's not at that level, albeit, you know, you mentioned that Andy Dalton got to the playoffs five years in a row. That's far different than the Cleveland Browns. But when did this, <laughs> this, this ability to be able to have options as a draft pick or a number one pick become more prevalent? Because, look, if you're a great player, you're likely in drafted number one. Like you said, you're going to go to a team that wasn't good. So now these quarterbacks all of a sudden have options and can try and with agents and push their way to where they want to go because they want the best opportunity. But that's not really the spirit of the NFL draft. No. And, and here's the thing. I think we did hear Joe Burrow said, hey, he has options. He didn't, he didn't express what those options were. Because those options, the only option is, is not to play. And, and I don't think he wants to exercise that option. I think a lot of the smoke here is coming from external forces. Carson Palmer is one of those external forces. And he spoke his opinion on the matter. His brother Jordan is a trainer helping to prepare Joe Burrow for the combine process and, and going to training camp. It's just all the things that he's going to need to do 
to be uh, successful um, early in your career coming into the NFL with working on your technique and throwing motions. But Joe Burrow, I think, has been 100% positive. I think at the end of the day, if we were to back up a little bit, you're not going to hear teams uh, say, I'm, we're drafting this player with the pick. Um, let's go back to 1998 when a player like Peyton Manning was coming out of the draft. The Colts knew who they were going to take, but they allowed for suspense with the Ryan Leaf, Peyton Manning, who you're going to take. The Colts never came out and said, we're taking Peyton Manning. It doesn't mean they wanted him any less. And you didn't hear Peyton Manning say, I want to play for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I think the player needs to, to reserve being that strong with the statement because you never know what's going to happen. What if the Bengals were to take a slew of picks and trade out of that position? And now he's on record after being taken by, say, Miami. He's on record um, being said, hey, I want to play for the Bengals. And now he's got to hear it from all the people in South Florida. Um, what if he steps off a curb and, and tears an ACL? And the Bengals should reserve the right to be able to do something else. So you don't want to put yourself in a position by making a statement of what you're going to do with that first overall pick, if you're the team or if you're the player. Talking with Solomon Wilcots from Pro Football Focus, among other outlets. Solly, you know, you mentioned Carson Palmer, a guy you covered and supported. What what was it that he's so upset about? You know, I remember when they were a high seed. I remember when they won the division. They had Hushmanzada and Chad Johnson around them. Even after they moved on from him, they went to the playoffs five straight years with Andy Dalton. What is it that Carson Palmer dislikes so much about the Bengals franchise or the city of Cincinnati in your mind? Well, you know, Ross, I think that that question would really be better put to Carson. I do know that he, um, you know, I remember him once asking me, Solomon, do you live here in the offseason? I was like, yeah. He was like, man, how could you do it? You're from California. And I remember him um, sort of voicing um, some frustration. Now, at the time, I didn't know. And then later found out that, you know, fans here in Cincinnati, there was, and it's not all, this doesn't speak ill of all fans, but they, you know, went to his home, dumped garbage. He had garbage dumped on his front lawn. And he was very unhappy. He had his wife and his, his daughters there, and they were made to feel unsafe. And while that doesn't speak um, for all fans here in Cincinnati, because I think there's great people here in Cincinnati. I live here. I love it. Lived here for over 30 years. Um, you know, that that's where fandom can cross over the line. It can become a little bit creepy. Um, and so, you know, I, I think the fans could have treated Carson Palmer better. Um, there were some fans who did treat him good. But I think when you have issues like that and um, your family's made to feel unsafe, you know, that that can rattle anyone. Um, you know, Andy Dalton, he was at a um, celebrity softball game giving up his own time and um, helping to raise money for community and charitable functions. It was loudly booed. You know, I think that crosses the line into becoming creepy. And so I think I had said something in the past that, hey, I would love to see the fans treat Joe Burrow better than they did Carson Palmer and Andy Dalton. I think they will. He's, he's from the Buckeye State. He's from Ohio. I think fans will come from every corner of the state to see Joe Burrow play. Uh, but we, we're going to have to support him if we want this all to work out well for the Bengals. He's going to need our support. He's going to need support in a lot of ways in order for this to be successful. Solomon, the most important people that need to support him, there's idiot fans everywhere. We know that. I live in <laughs> Philadelphia. Uh, but that being said, the support needs to come from the front office. It needs to come from the coaching staff. And he needs to have weapons to have success because people will come to see him initially because he's Joe Burrow. They'll stay if he's having success. Is the Cincinnati Bengal organization prepared? Do they have the right pieces to support him? with the right coaching staff, with the right general manager to get the right players and put them in a position to succeed at the NFL level? You know, I think that's a good question. And I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm bullish on the Cincinnati Bengals. And here's why. Because uh, I remember 
when after Carson left, um, they needed to make some moves to be able to right the ship. And I thought without a wrinkle, they transitioned perfectly in a strike. It was basically, it was a lockout that offseason coming into 2011. And you know what they did in the first round? They drafted a player by the name of A.J. Green. The second round, they went and they drafted the quarterback, Andy Dalton. I think the very next year and the subsequent years to follow, they drafted um, players like Mohamed Sanu and Marvin Jones and Tyler Eifert. They were able to get Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins. I'm telling you, they were just racking them up. And that's from that season on, uh, Andy Dalton's rookie season, um, in, a, in a short year where he didn't get the playbook until he actually showed up to training camp, because that's when the lockout ended. And he immediately took that team to the playoffs. And then they went to the playoffs five straight years. In fact, right around 2014, 2015, we were saying that the Bengals had one of the best rosters in the National Football League. They were one of the most talented teams with the same front office that they have now. And people talk about how many scouts they have or whatever. They built that roster and went to the postseason five straight years with the same people in the front office. So, I, And they still have some of those players. So I believe they can continue to do that. And I think Joe Burrow gives them an opportunity to kind of hit the ground running and get back into the postseason. We, we've got some teams who haven't been in the playoffs. You mentioned it, Cleveland Browns, 17 straight years. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 12 straight years. The Jets, nine consecutive seasons. And so, to me, those are situations that reek of dysfunctionality. So when the narrative turns to the Bengals, I have to sort of cite some of those things to help people to understand that the Bengals are far from it. Sally, totally agree with you on that. They've done an unbelievable job drafting um, over the last decade or so. There's no question. I do have one last thing on the Burrow thing before we have something fun for you. And that is, let's just say, based on his quotes again today, that maybe Joe Burrow isn't 100% sure that he wants to play for the Bengals. And maybe his representation is making that clear to the Bengals. I've been on record. I've said, Sally, the one guy I would not try that with is Mike Brown. <laughs> I, I feel like if, if any owner in the NFL, if you ranked all 32 owners, the number one ranked guy that would just make you sit out the whole year and not get your money and then trade you maybe even on the eve of the draft the next year, I feel like it is Mike Brown. Can you speak to that about him maybe not being the right guy to mess with and try to pull uh, an Eli Manning on? Yeah, you know, I, there's no doubt Mike is a guy that is dug into his principles. And hey, I'm, I'm very fond of Mike Brown. He's a guy that drafted me. Uh, he was a general manager and his dad was alive and Paul Brown was still running the team. But they drafted me as an eighth round pick and gave me an opportunity to become a starter very quickly. The very next year, we were playing in the Super Bowl. This is the guy who was a general manager of a team that took a franchise to a Super Bowl twice um, during the 80s. Now, it's been a while since they won a playoff game, and they're still working to do that. But, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go testing uh, Mike Brown's resolve regarding this matter. And, and I don't think Joe Burrow has any intention to do that. Sally, last question. By the way, you got to be the youngest-looking guy that got drafted after the seventh round. You're, you, you're the youngest-looking guy that got drafted after the seventh round these days. Um, but let's get to eighth round. That boy, wow. Yeah. So uh, we've been asking, since it's Fat Tuesday, we're talking food. And I think this one's pretty obvious. But what is the food that Cincinnati is most known for? And are you all in on it? I think I know what you're going to say. I don't know whether or not you're all in on it, though. Well, you know, Cincinnati is, is famous for their chili. They have Skyline Chili and they have Gold Star Chili. These are the two competing um, uh, chili makers, and they have both done very well. A lot of people agree with their chili because they made a lot of money and they've been around for so long. I am not – I'm, I'm from California originally. I'm a fan of the West Coast chili style. It's, you know, it's much more chunky. It's more thick. The Skyline or Cincinnati chili 
It's it's different. I've had it. I don't dislike it. It's just it's not my favorite. Now, my kids who were born and raised here, they all absolutely love it. So I think if you're if you're born in Cincinnati, if you are indigenous to the area, then it's a 100% tan, okay? And and everyone will tell you that. I think if you are transplant, particularly from the West Coast, you prefer more thicky, chunky chili. And so that's kind of where I fall on it. <laughs> uh, Sally, I'm with you. I, the thicker, the better for me, number one. Yeah. And number two... <laughs> If you can pour it on top of pasta, it's not chili. It's spaghetti sauce. I mean, it's crazy. Let's just say, let's just say it's a very versatile chili. I don't know I if don't Cincinnati's right for you, Solomon. <laughs> well, you know, been, hey, I've been here for over 30 years. They're stuck with me. <laughs> Sally, always appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Greatly appreciate it. Check him out on Pro Football Focus as well as on Twitter at Solomon's Wisdom. Awesome guy. And I loved that breakdown right there of not only Joe Burrow, but the Bengals as well as food. I'm I'm with Solly. I don't think the Bengals are that bad. I mean, if it was Baker Mayfield saying this about the Browns, I can almost see that. Or yeah. some of these other franchises, the Bengals used to be used to feel that way in the late 90s or even the early 2000s, really until Marvin Lewis got the job and turned them around, which quite frankly is why I think Marvin Lewis is more than deserving of getting another head coaching opportunity at some point. You know, when I was coming out, the Bengals were thought of as like the Browns are now. I mean, they were the worst. I don't think they had a winning season in the entire decade of the 90s. Like, They'd gone 10 years straight. It was the dredge of the NFL. So we're going to bring on one of the millennials. He's actually a sub-millennial. He's even <laughs> younger than that, Jordan Cohn. We're going to bring him on momentarily. This is his idea. He also, by the way, dropped 20 a game, Franklin and Marshall <laughs> in the middle of basketball. So that is big time. Big time, okay? S&M intramurals. Whoa. Don't mess with his. <laughs> So, first of all, here's my question, though. What the hell is Fat Tuesday? I don't even know what Fat you Tuesday is. You don't know what is. it is? Come on, I man. know it's like, a, it's like a New Orleans Mardi Gras thing, but I don't, no, 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 I don't no, no, even no. know what that means. It's the day before Ash Wednesday. It's got religious connotations to it. It's not just the day before Mardi Gras. It kicks off Mardi Gras. It's the day before all Ash right. Wednesday to get it in before so, Mar- before. Ash Wednesday and, and, and Lent. All right, so tomorrow is Ash Wednesday. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. So I'll be in here with and the today, ashes on my head tomorrow. Okay. Catholic boy. And today is Fat Tuesday, which is a big day for food. Well, no, it, drinking. <laughs> it's a big day. Well, it's a big drinking? day to, to go nuts why before drinking? Lent. You're allowed to drink after Ash Wednesday. Well, look, it... During Lent, you're supposed to give up something. So you go nuts on Fat Tuesday, you stuff your face, you drink like a fish, and then you repent for 40 days. Got it. So it depends on what you decide to give up for Lent. Yeah. What are you going to give I up? I think I'm millennials. I think I'm giving up millennials oh, for Lent. Maybe we'll do that on tomorrow's show. Or, hey, so Jordan. Tell me about that awesome intramural game where you had over 20 points because everybody listening to this national show is dying to hear about your 20 points a game that you dropped casually in intramural hoops at Franklin and Marshall. So, so first of all, I always kind of envisioned my, my media debut being torn apart by, uh, by hosts, but you know. <laughs> We'll, we'll see how it goes. Welcome um, to the business, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a tough grind out here. Um, but I uh, I was particularly short in high school, so like I was waddling around at like four foot eight in my junior year. So any any basketball achievement in my career is something that I feel like I should be boasting about, you know. So whether it's how tall? How hold on a second? How tall are you now? I'm five nine. I grew a foot my senior year of high school. Wow. Hold on a second. You were legitimately four foot eight as a junior in high school? I was legitimately, so I was on the tennis team, and because I was Jewish 
and quite rotund. My nickname was Matzo Ball, which is a, uh, a little-known yeah. fact about me, which I guess now isn't very little-known. But uh, how, much, how much did you weigh? Jeez. Uh, well, he was four foot eight. You could have weighed 90 pounds and been rotund. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. I, I don't know, though. I was, I was a little so, close. dude, four foot eight as a junior in high school, that had to totally affect bad, your life in every way. Yeah, it was bad. But, you know. The ladies were not lining up for a four foot eight I, prom I was, date, I can tell you that. Hey, <laughs> easy there. Um, no, I was, I was always considered well, At least you were cute. kosher. I was always considered cute. I was never, like, you know, the stubby Handsome. guy. Until now. Oh, boom. Was that before or after you started dropping 20 a game F&M hoops in a mural? That, that is the source of my confidence going forward. My Was this an under six-foot league? Uh, I mean, most Franklin and Marshall students are uh, not of the most athletic build, so there wasn't too much competition. But. I'm still waiting for my growth spurt, too, so don't worry. All right, so what My are we doing on Fat foot. Tuesday? Let's do it. Nobody cares about your sob story about being four foot eight. Nobody cares. Thank Life's you. tough. Then you die. What's this? What's the Fat Tuesday thing? So I have a list here from Huffington Post and Food Network of the top food of different states and cities across the country. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Jason, just so you know, we are competing against each other to see who can answer first. All right, well, you're going down. I'll put on a little music bed. Nice. It's good. Get the, uh, get the competition going. All right. So we'll start off easy. Uh, we'll go by state and start with Pennsylvania. Well, that there's, it depends what? on what city you're in. Gee, what? This is, this is the worst. Turn the music off. This is already the worst <laughs> game I've ever heard. You're supposed well, you're to Pittsburgh. say the food. You're supposed to say the food. And then we oh, say the city or the state. Okay, we'll go food first. What are you talking about? Gosh. All right, then we'll start off with the food first, okay? Cheese curds. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Ross, one point. How did he beat me? I got a damn delay. That was, uh, it was pretty quick. Clam chowder. New, New England. That's not oh, no, B- Massachusetts. There you go. Princeton education, baby. Whatever. It's called. It's literally called New England clam chowder. They, you, you don't think they got good chowder in Maine or Vermont or New Hampshire? New Hampshire. Vermont's cheese, by the way. Do you want to go first to three? Or no? Yes, first to three. Cool. One one. Beignets. Huh? New Orleans. Louisiana. There you go. Two one. No, no. You get one guess. That ain't right. I did city and state. I should get two for that. True. White clam pizza. Maine. Jason Chance. New, ha- uh, New Hampshire. Uh. Vermont. Rhode Island. Connecticut. Boom. Jason. Two two. Connecticut. Uh-oh. New Haven. Hold white on a clam second. Pizza. Hold on a second. How are we doing this? Because I like he goes Poorly. so slow. Do I have to alternate? Like, what are we doing? Yeah, we were alternating. This is this is impromptu, Ross. All okay, right. next. So this one's for the game. It's 2-2. I'll do a tough one. Chicken and white barbecue sauce. Arizona. Chicken and white barbecue sauce? New Mexico. Uh, Texas. You're getting Colorado. Warm. Georgia. Colder. Uh, Minnesota. Arkansas. Kansas. It is a big college football state. Texas. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Alabama. Boom. Jason wins. <laughs> Alabama white barbecue chicken. <laughs> this is the worst game I've ever seen. But I won. <laughs> this, is, this is the worst game. We had no rules. We, I mean, how about him starting with, he goes, Pennsylvania. Like, you can't play the game that way. We could do pierogies. We could do cheesesteaks. I mean, 
there's a million different ones in Pennsylvania. It depends on if you're talking about Pittsburgh or Philly or yeah, a million different places. I would legitimately know those sandwiches. I would be interested to do that for the whole country. Like I would play that game for the whole country, Jay. Well, what is it in Texas? It's got to be like a steak, right? Because Texas, like Texas Roadhouse, you got to have like big steaks. Yeah. Yeah. They're all steakhouses, right? It's brisket. It's brisket in Texas. I can see that. Oh, okay. All right. So speaking of Texas, tomorrow we're going to talk about what happens today in the CBA. We're going to talk about pass interference replay. None of this has anything to do with Texas, but I thought you wouldn't notice my inappropriate segue. We might get into Teddy Bridgewater because he, for sure, Cam is staying in Carolina. Drew Brees is staying in New Orleans. What about Teddy B? And what about the combine? We haven't talked much about the actual combine. Should we care? Do we care? We'll discuss tomorrow on a hump day. When Ash Wednesday edition of Home and Home Radio.com Sports Original. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.